Well, today we come to a very interesting parable in Luke chapter 13. I do want to remind you that if you miss a lesson, they are on soundcloud.com and the notes that I print every week, if you would like a copy of those, if you miss, uh, just call Natalie and we'll be glad to email or print you out a copy of my notes. I believe in God's providence. I believe in God's pre-arrangements. I heard someone say this statement, and this is a quote, God made it, God cares for it, and God can use it. And then, of course, in my mind I thought, what in the world is He talking about? Let me read that again. God made it, God cares for it, and God can use it. He was talking about a hazelnut. <laughs> but I thought what this person said about a hazelnut could be said about us. God made us, God cares for us, and God wants to use us. I am so grateful for people that are actively involved in serving the Lord. I was uh, sitting over there today and saw two ladies come in. Uh, Judy and Ada over here. Just, just wave at us. Alright, they're right up there. Okay. Not trying to embarrass them, but um, too late for that now, right? But uh, they help out in the college ministry. And uh, sometimes... Uh, Judy is wearing some really outstanding perfume. It's a smell of waffles, alright? And uh, <laughs> Gary says uh, she's good enough to eat up, alright? So anyway, but appreciate them so much being faithful to come to class, but also working in the college ministry. Somebody said any fool can count how many seeds are in an apple? But only God knows how many apples are in a seed. Amen. Have you thought about that? God knows everything about us. And so when I look at this parable today, I'm reminded that God knows what I'm going to say before I say it. Because I have really, really looked and struggled there are ten parables that are unique to the Gospel of Luke. And this is one right here in Luke 13. It is a parable not found in the other Gospels. It is unique to the Gospel of Luke. Now, as we look at this, there is a story that we find in Mark and Matthew that's kind of similar but different in a way. It is the cursing of the fig tree. It's a different story, but does have a parallel. So I want us to go ahead and read the Word of God. And you look in your Bible to Luke chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 in Luke 13. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. 
And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then we find in verses 6 through 9 the parable. And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. And that is the parable of the fig tree found in the Gospel of Luke. This year has been a terrible year for disaster. I was thinking about Las Vegas and the recent tragedy there. Fifty-nine people killed by a gunman. 489 people wounded. When you think about Las Vegas, we are reminded of Columbine, Sandy Hook, Miami, on and on and on we could go talking about disasters, talking about shootings in different places. And yet we find that what happened in Las Vegas probably is going to happen again somewhere else. We live in a dangerous world, a world that is gripped by tragedy and turmoil. Now, what the Lord is addressing here is that there were some in His day that said, if tragedy happened to that person, there must be sin in their life. And what did Jesus say? He said, no, that's not true. In fact, He said, instead of you trying to examine their life, you look at your own life, you too must repent. It's awful easy to pick a splinter out of someone's eye. But do you realize there's a log coming out of your eye? Now I want you to hold your spot right here, okay? And look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Don't drift off on me today, alright? I'm going to have an exorcism here in a moment. I'm going to cast out the demon of slumber in the name of Jesus, alright? Matthew 5, 45. 
John, you got that? Read that for us, brother. In order that you may be sons of your Father, who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen. There you go. It's a good commentary on what Jesus said. Just because a tower falls on someone, or just because a tornado came through Norman, Oklahoma last night, or just because someone is shot in Las Vegas, does not make them a bigger sinner than anyone else. It rains on the just and the unjust. I got news for you. A lot of good Baptist churches have storm cellars in Oklahoma. Thank God for them, alright? But you and I need to realize that sometimes in a hypocritical way, there are those that look at people going through tragedy and they want to say, man, they must be some bad sinners. You know, it's amazing how that sometimes when we are in a different environment, when we look at a different culture, when we look at folks that live a little bit different lifestyle, we want to be judgmental. I took a group of uh, senior adults up to Henderson, North Carolina. We did a little apple picking up there, alright? Actually, I walked around and they picked apples, but went up to uh, Justice Farms. All oh, the apples were just spectacular. But when we got there, we got off the bus and we've been riding the bus for a while. Was it about two hours and 45 minutes? Someone said, uh, well, I'll tell you the first thing I want to find is the bathroom. I said, honey, I've got bad news for you. They're right out there in the field somewhere. <laughs> they said, I think I'll just hold it. <laughs> Walter, can I throw you under the bus? All right. Walter said, I think I'll wait. I said, Walter, I've been in. They're fine. They're five star outhouses out there. <laughs> so, anyway, they, I think everybody went that had to go, but somebody came out and they said, Well, the water didn't work. I said, Yeah, I said, there's a pump there. You've got to pump it with your foot to get the water going. And they said, Well, they never told us that. <laughs> It's amazing how that when we get into a different environment, things are different because we see them through different glasses. And so it is with Jesus. He said, you're not going through this tragedy right now. You were not there where the tower fell on the 18 people. But yet you need to realize it was not because of their sin it was because we live in a fallen world, we live in a sinful world, and it rains on the just and the unjust. Good, godly people will have cancer. They will. James would say it's for the testing of our faith. It's so the church can rally around them and pray. It's because... God whispers in pleasure, but man, He shouts in our pain. He does. 
And so today, as we look at this parable, I want you to look at four different things in the parable today. First of all, there is political tragedy. Political tragedy. Now, I, I try to stay as far away from politics as I can get. I did a pretty good job this year, alright? When the election happened, I'd just smile and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, they didn't know if I was a, a libertarian, a Democrat, a Republican. Somebody asked me one time, I said, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not changing parties, alright? <laughs> but in verses 1 through 3, you find Jesus addressing something that happened with the governor. The governor was Pontius Pilate. And Pilate was the political ruler. You know, Pilate was no friend of God. He was the one that washed his hands and um, had Jesus crucified. But yet, Pilate, it seems, did something very, very ungodly. In verse number 1, it says that there were Jews that came to offer a sacrifice. Pilate had these God-fearing Jews killed and then mingled their blood together with the sacrifice. You know, evil is in our world today because of the fall. I was thinking about Adolf Hitler, the final solution. Six million Jews killed, gassed, executed there, many of them in the gas chambers in concentration camps. That happened not because of the evil of the people being killed, but the evil of an Adolf Hitler. And so it is today. We have these kinds of people in North Korea. We have these kinds of people around the world. Because people suffer political persecution, the church needs to be a praying church, an encouraging church, because of political tragedy around the world. I was telling God the other day, I said, God, I'm so blessed that I was born in the greatest country in the world. God, I am so blessed that I live in South Carolina where they know what real barbecue is. Amen? <laughs> where they know how to cook peanuts. Man, you throw them in water, not in the oven. Alright? I am so very blessed to live where I live. But I could have been born in North Korea. Or I could have been born in Iraq or Afghanistan. Aren't we blessed by the hand of God? So, I want to remind you, now listen to me on this. In our world today, there are those that claim the name of Christ, they carry the Word of God, and they are suffering great persecution around the world. On the average, on the average, 322 people are killed every month for the name of Jesus. 
322. 214 churches and their property is taken over by the government every single month in our world. And so we need to pray for the persecuted church. So, we find political tragedy. Now, in Romans 3.23, you know the verse well. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible writes Romans 3.23 like this, For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. I'm looking around the room today. You guys look wonderful today. Well, most of you. Alright, you guys look wonderful today. But I know, I know that you got a long record. And I know there's that record of sin in your life. But oh, aren't you glad that where sin did abound, grace abounds more. Uh, look in your Bibles real quick to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. I'll just throw this one in. Romans 5. Look at Romans 5 and uh, look at verse number 20. Romans 5, verse 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Man, what a, what a tremendous verse that says in the believer's life, where our sin does increase, the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God is poured out even more. I know this, I am a recipient of great and wonderful grace. And so are you. i got to move on. Alright, number two. Second, we find in the text, we find natural disasters. Now, in verses 4 and 5, there is a recording here of a tower of Siloam that fell. Not a lot of historical evidence of this, but yet we believe it to be true. We believe it happened. There was a tower that simply fell over. And the tower fell and killed evidently 18 people. And so, Jesus is saying, do you think that those 18 people were greater sinners because a tower fell on them? And the answer is no. Unless you repent. You know, I, I remember being a parent as Kendra was growing up. and You know, kids do dumb things. They just do. I know, they do too. They learn it from adults, John, alright? 
But um, Kendra was always breaking her arm. Uh, maybe just a couple of times, but it seemed like it happened all the time. And she did it roller skating or roller blading. I, I wanted to take those away from her, alright? But she was always just falling over. Pam and I would be out there playing tennis. Kendra's on the other side of the court skating. Pretty soon I'd hear her scream and off we go to the emergency room. <laughs> well, it's broke again. I said, Kendra, how'd it go? And she said, well, I don't know, Dave. They kept pulling on my arm, pulling on my arm. I said, they were setting it, all right? Do you know what? Accidents, disasters are part of life. Natural disasters, like an earthquake, like a tornado, they simply happen because of the world in which we live. I uh, pastored a church one time out there in Lugoff, and uh, we replaced the steeple on that church three different times. Lightning, pop, lightning would pop that steeple off three different times. It was a lightning magnet. One time I was preaching, and lightning hit my microphone. And remember that, Pam? Oh yeah, and it popped off my lip. The spark did. I had a lapel mic on, it popped off my lip. And I just stopped and I said, you know, that hurt. <laughs> Marguerite Deacon screamed, she said, take it off, take it off. You know what they told me? They said, preacher, since you moved away, we don't have lightning strikes anymore. <laughs> They did. They did. I didn't believe them, but I verified it. They got the same steeple on there now they've had for years. Oh. Folks, natural disasters. Last night I was mentioning this. Had a tornado in Norman, Oklahoma. It seems that in 2017, we have seen an unusual amount of natural disasters. Hurricane Maria. Earthquake in Mexico. In fact, two of them. Monsoon. Flooding in Bangladesh. Mudslide in Colombia. Hurricane Irma in the USA. There has been a flood of natural disasters. Why don't you look in your Bible over to Psalms 46. Look at Psalms 46, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 46, 1 and 2. Psalms 46, 1 and 2. Barry Stogger, you got it? Go ahead. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help and trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth give way and the mountains fall to the heart of the sea. Hmm. There are times when the mountains fall and they literally go into the sea. But the psalmist said, we're not going to fear though the earth should change. The earth is always changing. Always going through transformation. Someone said, do you mind it? When you go through an earthquake, 
A lady said, don't mind it a bit. This reminds me, God can still shake this world. Amen? God's in charge. Natural disasters. Alright, number three. Now we come to the heart of the parable. Number three, we find fruitless, fruitless lives. And that's in verses 6 and 7. Now, before we, we take those verses apart, let me remind you that the main message is the word repent. It's not enough to confess. A lot of us are good confessors. Repentance means that we turn around and we go a different direction. It means doing an about face. It means going the opposite direction. Now, the fig tree was a common symbol of Israel. If you look in verse number 6, it says, and he began telling this parable, a man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. So here's a man plants a tree. Plants it, goes back time and time again, keeps on coming back and wants to find fruit on that tree. When I was growing up, mom and dad had a garden. I was always going to the garden looking every day to see if there was some kind of vegetable I could pick. And then when they did start coming on, baby, they really came on. I was out there all the time picking. But I remember that my dad did not like tomatoes when they were red. But he loved them when they were green. Man, you slice those babies, put them in flour, salt and pepper, throw them in a skillet, fried green tomatoes. Boy, that'll make your tongue beat your brain out. All right, boy. Mmm, good stuff. And my taste buds, I'm salivating right now. I can taste them. Mmm. Dip them in a little ranch dressing. Oh, baby. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, I do want to remind you that sometimes fruit comes on early. Sometimes fruit comes on late. But if you're a child of God, there's got to be some kind of evidence of fruit. There's got to be something there. In this parable, evidently, there was no fruit. Nothing. Nada. Not a thing. And so we find that the owner of the vineyard was disappointed. Last week, somebody by the grace of God had a big old box of Dunkin' Donuts. And they brought those to work. Nine o'clock in the morning, I walked by that box. I said, Lord Jesus, help me. And I walked on by. You know, I heard that song, walk on by. And I did. I walked on by, all right? Twelve o'clock, the box is still there. And I said, 
Lord, I've been good for three hours. I am succumbing to temptation. I walked over there. I popped open that box. There wasn't a single donut in there. Now I want to tell you, if I can get my hands on the person that left that box there, I'm going to horse whip them. Because I was all ready for a donut from Dunkin' Donuts. Nothing in the box. Disappointed. It's the same thing that Jesus is talking about. Going by a tree that ought to have fruit on it. And there's nothing there. Disappointed. Now look at verse number 7. And He said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. Without finding any, cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? So, for three years, after three years, it should have had fruit. The owner said, cut it down. Take away this tree because it has no right to be even in the ground. Well, we find the fourth and last point is that there are second chances. Man, aren't you glad that God's a God of second chances? Well, look at verse number 8. And He answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. So here's what the workman said. Give it another year. A year of grace. If there is no fruit in your life, God may give you time. God may give you a second chance. But if He does that, you better till your soil with the Word of God. You better till your soil with the Spirit of God. And you better take good advantage of that second chance. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that God is not willing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, I thank You today that You're a God of grace. Lord, today as we contemplate disasters in our world, tragedies around us, God, we claim the promise that You're on the throne. Lord, I pray today that our focus, our desire would be for You. Lord, may You have all of me. I pray this, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would just stay where you are, uh, West Church is going to come and share a word with us right now.